Welcome to Mark Inc. Ministries. You are listening to a help and hope resource called Preparing for Christmas in the Darkness of Grief. Every Christmas season, we air this conversation between Chuck and Sharon Betters as a means to help grieving people prepare for Christmas in a way that leads them to Jesus. We realized it fits the goals of our Help and Hope audio library because Chuck and Sharon recorded this message of Help and Hope after the deaths of their son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly. Each question Chuck asks Sharon is designed to provide practical and spiritual support that will help guide you through Christmas with eyes and ears ready to receive the treasures in the darkness designed by God to help turn your heart toward Him. This interview is just one of many that we offer addressing grief, as well as many other topics that are often difficult to discuss and experienced in isolation. All of our resources are offered free of charge on our website, markinc.org, and through our various podcasts. Our mission is to encourage and equip people to find help and hope in a personal relationship with Jesus and to persevere faithfully even through life's most difficult challenges, knowing that God is sovereign and can be trusted. So now, let's hear how Chuck and Sharon prepare for Christmas in the darkness of grief. Welcome to In His Grip with Dr. Chuck Betters, Senior Pastor at Glasgow Church in Bear, Delaware. In His Grip is a daily broadcast presented by Mark Inc. Ministries. Today we have a special edition of In His Grip, Today's broadcast comes from an interview with Chuck and Sharon Betters and is titled, Preparing for Christmas in the Darkness of Grief. The holiday season is a time of year that brings great joy to the life of many people. But to some, the holiday season is a dark and lonely time when there is grief over the loss of a loved one and the memories of good times and bad are all that remain, memories. Let's join Sharon and Chuck as they share with us their own journey, preparing for Christmas in the darkness of grief. It's always a pleasure and a privilege for me to be here and to talk with our listening audience about some of the great treasures that God has given to us. We often think of others who are hurting during the holiday season because we know how much we have experienced in the grieving process and in our own journey and that we continue to experience. It seems as though the holidays just sharpen the grief. You don't know how it could be worse, but especially if you have enjoyed special holiday times in the past when someone is missing or there is a major loss in your family, the holidays are very difficult to survive. And so today we're hoping that maybe just one thing will be a treasure that one of our listeners can take away with them that will help them to stay focused on the great truth of scripture and on the love of Christ and his presence even in the darkest of these days. All of us know of people or we may be involved ourselves in significant grief or brokenness or some form of heartache that makes the Christmas season and the holiday season even more difficult. We are here to try and address the question of how do we minister to those who are experiencing especially difficult pain during the holiday season. Now, I think it's important that we give you a a little bit of a brief history of why we believe we are qualified to speak on this particular subject. It was in July of 1993 
that my wife Sharon and I and our children experienced the tragic loss of our 16-year-old son, Mark. He was killed in a car accident in July of 93, and we had to go through that uh, first Christmas, that first Thanksgiving season, that first series of holidays and birthdays and special occasions during that first year of grief. That was especially painful, and in subsequent years, we have learned some very valuable lessons of how to effectively minister to someone who is going through that or how to take steps of action that may somewhat alleviate the pain and the heartache you might be experiencing during this time. So we uh, hope then and pray that as you listen to this very special edition of In His Grip, you would be challenged and blessed. Well, it was in December of that first year when we experienced our tragedy that I preached a message uh, right around Christmas time. And uh, Sharon, as we were preparing for this broadcast, you mentioned to me that you had some notes on that particular sermon and what meaning they held for you. Uh, perhaps you'd like to share with our listening audience exactly what you learned from that message. Well, I think uh, that you and I have both agreed that without the scriptures as our rock, we could never survive the loss of our son, the physical loss of our son. And even though often the scriptures were like dry toast going down, we knew that there was only one thing that was unchanging in our broken world, and that was the gospel of Christ, his word. So whenever you would preach, I would listen very closely to hear God speak through his word. And I took some notes on that sermon that just, it really helped me to see that even though we have made Christmas into this tinsel-covered event, that as you said in your sermon, that first Christmas was really drenched in blood. And just knowing that helped me to feel more connected to our Savior and to our Heavenly Father. For instance, one of the things that you pointed out is that the shepherds that we always romanticize were not really ordinary shepherds, that where they were even tending their sheep was a place where sheep were kept for slaughter. In other words, they were watching over the temple sheep, the sheep that were actually going to be slaughtered for sacrifices. And that really gripped me as I thought about our own Savior coming as a baby and being watched over by Mary and Joseph, and yet he was being prepared in the same way as a lamb for the slaughter. He came as a suffering servant in a place that was dripping with blood and sorrow, and who else could understand our own sorrow more than he? That was a great comfort to me that first year. Those uh, shepherds were also social outcasts in in the sense that they they were considered ceremonially unclean. So even as they're attending to these sheep, they themselves were considered outcast of society, perhaps experiencing loneliness and alienation and separation from their extended community as well. What do you take out of this passage that speaks of the weeping and the lamenting in, in Rama and the mothers who were experiencing the pain of death during that first Christmas season. That was another passage that really helped me in my own journey. We live in a world that does not want to acknowledge death. Uh, even the movies that you see, uh, they are trying to act as though death 
is not horrible and and isn't really separation and that even without Christ life goes on um, we we try to ignore the pain that others have because we don't want to feel it ourselves and we don't even know how to confront the issues of death these mothers according to the scriptures were weeping and wailing the loss of their babies and they refused to be comforted and I applaud them because not that we should not seek out comfort but that we are saying we should be weeping and wailing in the face of death. There is a time for the weeping and the grieving. And one of the things that we um, would say to one another was lean into the pain, lean into the pain. In other words, don't run from the pain because the pain is a part of who we are and we needed to experience that pain. Now, I'm not talking about being a masochist and going farther than God wants us to go. But we admitted there would be pain in this Christmas. And one of the things that we knew we had to do was to confront that pain. We could not run away from it. You know, here we are years later, and there are, I am sure, people who would look at us or someone maybe who's listening to this broadcast who is experiencing similar pain, and they might say, well, you know, it's been several years now since your loss. Aren't you over it yet? What do you say to folks like that? Well, we are certainly more focused on the hope of eternity, but no, we're not over it yet. I don't expect that we will ever be over it as long as there is still the memory of an empty spot at our dinner table when we hang up the Christmas stockings and there's one for Mark, but Mark will not be there to empty that stocking. All those little things that are precious treasures, precious memories are also tinged with pain. And I think about Mary when that sweet young teenager was holding her new little baby and she took that baby with her husband to the temple. And what was she told? She was told that this young baby was going to be the redeemer, but she also was told, Mary, there will be a sword in your soul. There will be a sword in your soul. What a thing to say to a young mother. And yet I think that that is something every parent needs to take to heart, that in parenting and in losses, that there will be joy just as there is in parenting, but there will be a sword in her soul. And that sword was in her soul, I believe, until the day that she went to heaven. So I, I, I think that we have got to be realistic. Death is the worst enemy that we have. And God has sent his son to redeem us. Death does not have a sting in eternity, but it does have a sting here on this earth. Well, there are, I am sure, people who are listening to this broadcast who are experiencing significant loneliness. Uh, folks who perhaps have, feel as though God has abandoned them, that uh, they look around at what others are experiencing at Christmas time. They see togetherness in other families. They see smiles on people's faces. Uh, they walk around in the malls and they wonder, well, why is it that no one else understands the pain and the heartache that I am going through or the suffering that I am experiencing or the loneliness that I anticipate that I'm going to have over the holidays? Uh, what would you say to someone who is fresh in their grief, someone perhaps who has just experienced a loss, and maybe this is their very first holiday season, their very first Christmas season without their loved one, or perhaps going to experience that loneliness, 
what would you say? What, what advice would you give them? Well, I think, first of all, um, we shouldn't be shocked by the pain. We need to accept that this is painful. This is a painful journey when there are huge losses. Chuck, I w- went back into my journal just to refresh my memory a little bit, and it was difficult to read it. But I want to read it for our listeners because I think that some of you will connect, but I also want to give you the freedom to feel that pain. I wrote, Dear Lord, all week I've tried to focus on you and the first Christmas. I've done so well emotionally. I didn't think decorating the tree would be a problem. What a joke. As I approached the attic, I started to cry. With each box, I moved to get to the decorations. This was something you wrote during the very first Christmas right after we lost Mark. Is that right? That's right. All right. I could not stop crying. I found one of the boys' Star Wars men, and I cried. And then I found the decorations, and on top was Mark's talking. I finally just laid my head down on the box and sobbed. Lord, why? Why this pain? Finally, Chuck said, we don't have to do this. We don't even have to decorate. But I said, yes, we do. I want to recognize Christmas. And then he made me sit down just so I could cry. Finally, as he and Chuck and Dan got the tree ready, I started going through the decorations and put most of them back. The stockings would not go up this year. But now our tree is decorated. Dan even put the decorations on with a smile, even when he found Mark's picture. But this is all so unreal, and yet we do seem to be getting there. Lord, please be with us tonight as we change some of our traditions and do things differently so that we can focus on you and not on what we do not have. It was really painful. And I think that what we have to keep doing is going back to the scriptures and hearing God's promise. One promise that was very helpful to me was in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And I wrote next to these verses, give me the power to do this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And that was one promise we just hung on to. Even though we were limping and crawling through the days, we would keep going back to that promise that God said, I'm making a way for you. I'm making a way for you. Folks will say, you know, at uh, Christmas time or around the table, if you're sitting there with someone who's just lost a loved one, uh, that you don't want to increase their pain by mentioning that their loved one is gone or mentioning that loved one's name. Uh, How do you react to that? I absolutely disagree. I think I remember back to how lonely we were in groups of people, people who loved us, but who tried to pretend they thought the best medicine for us was to pretend nothing terrible had happened. And somebody shared a poem with us called There's an Elephant in the Room, and I wish I had brought it with me. But it talks about there being this huge elephant in the room, and everybody knows it's there, but everybody's pretending it's not there. And that's how we felt. We felt there was this huge elephant following us, and everybody could see it. It was our broken hearts, but nobody would mention it, and we were so lonely. But what if the folks sitting there had mentioned Mark's name and uh, one of us would start crying? Wasn't that unfair to them? I don't think so in the body of Christ. The body of Christ, there seems to be a connection with ministering to those who are grieving 
and personal intimacy with Christ. That if you really want to grow and mature in intimacy with Christ, you need to be willing to go into the darkness with those who are hurting. The Bible tells us to weep with those who weep. And the greatest gift we were given, for me personally, was the tears of others who would cry with me. There are events and anniversaries in a first year after a loss. For example, the holidays or uh, the deceased one's birthday or special occasions. Uh, in our particular case, we had to go through the retirement of Mark's uh, basketball number at his school. Uh, we had to go through the, uh, the graduation of his class without him. And uh, events like that, that all occurred within, say, the first year after the loss. But in our discussions with folks who are also walking on this pilgrimage of grief, we have found that the second year of loss is oftentimes even worse than the first. What advice would you have for someone who perhaps is going through their second year of grief? Well, again, I think we have to, that knowledge gives us power. And knowing that that's a possibility helps us to prepare and not to be shocked. It was good for us to know, to be told up front, the second year might be more difficult because we thought by the second year, surely we would feel better. And we also thought, how could we feel for worse than we do right now? Actually, the second year was worse. And I think the reason is because though we did not feel as though we were anesthetized against some of the pain, I believe that we were, we were in shock. And the second year brings the reality, Mark is not coming back. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. So during that first year, you live through, perhaps with some Novocaine or some anesthesia, those uh, special events. But in the second year, you have a standard by which to compare. You have the first year, and the harsh reality is more vivid in the second year than it is the first year. And we have told folks that uh, who are going through uh, grief and others who are trying to minister to people going through grief. And we have found quite a bit of a surprise element that's there. They just don't understand why that would be the case. But as you said, knowing it up front is always uh, extremely helpful. Now, when we talk about loneliness, talk about being with family, if you are trying to minister to someone who has just experienced a loss, let's be very practical. Let's say you are uh, going to a Christmas dinner and your loved one is going to be there and you know they have just experienced a tragic loss in their lives. This is their very first Christmas without their loved one by their side. What is the first thing you think you should do when you meet that person? Oftentimes we're asked, I don't, we're told, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Well, let's just role play for a moment and let's just envision that you are going to that dinner and you're going to meet that person who is, who is walking through that grief for the very first time. When you walk up to them, what's the very first thing you're going to do? Well, everybody is different. But for me personally, I would go up to the person and take their hand and then judge whether or not I could hug them. And if I could hug them, if I feel as though that would be welcome, I would probably whisper in their ear, I know this is hard for you, but I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we're, we are so, we miss, we miss him or we're so sorry for what you're going through. Just acknowledging it, just acknowledging the loss um, 
is critical to that person and helps them feel connected. But what if they break down and start crying? What if they just start sobbing on your shoulders? What would you do? I would just hold them and cry with them. Mm. I would just cry with them. And usually what happens is the person says, I'm so sorry for crying. I'm so sorry. And we always say to that person, don't apologize for those tears. Those tears are, are good. This is part of the journey, and they are a gift of God. There are times when folks who are going through this express anger toward God, when their the words that come out of their mouths are not words that you would expect to hear anyone within the context of their Christian faith say. Things like, I am angry with God, or God has stepped over the line, or I don't even believe there is a God, or God is not a God of love. Why would he do this to me? And they, they spew out all sorts of angry vindictives, uh, perhaps against God. I want to ask you, Sharon, two questions. First of all, did you hear any of those kinds of vindictives early on in our grieving process? And also, what would you do when someone starts to say those sorts of things to you? Well, of course, I heard those things coming out of my own mouth, and they're all throughout my own journals. And I hear them often in the counseling relationships that we have, and I'm not shocked by them. I don't believe God is shocked by them. I believe they're part of the process of finding out whether our faith is our own faith. I also believe God invites those questions. He does not need me to defend him. In fact, I've even said to young woman, one young woman, I'm not going to try to defend God because I don't understand his ways, but I know that you can trust him and that I promise you can trust him. Sharon, you also have some very practical things to say in the book Treasures of Encouragement, don't you? Yes. Uh, we don't really have time on this broadcast to go into those details, but it's a whole book on how to minister biblically encouragement. And also there's one chapter on giving the treasures of encouragement in the wilderness of suffering. It's very practical, and I, I urge our listeners to get a copy of that book if they really believe God is calling them into ministry in the darkness. Well, we uh, have come to the end of this broadcast, and we believe so strongly in the need for this kind of information to be put into your hands. One of the resources that have helped other broken people find a new level of normal as they've experienced deep grief is the book by Sharon Betters, Treasures in Darkness, A Grieving Mother Shares Her Heart. When writing this book, Sharon would sometimes want to quit. It was just too hard to go back into my journals and remember the raw grief and struggle to reconcile God's love with his sovereignty, Sharon writes. Chuck encouraged me to keep writing, if not for publication, as a record of hope and God's grace for our grandchildren to have. Though written as a grieving mother, readers have told Sharon that this book is for anyone struggling to find a new level of normal in the midst of traumatic loss. Each chapter is filled with scripture and Sharon's journal entries after the death of Mark. Here is Dr. Betters one last time with information how you can help Mark Inc. Ministries. Please help us to continue to offer the help and hope of Jesus to hurting people. Please help us to continue to use all the technological means possible to boldly proclaim that God is indeed sovereign and you, we can trust him. To help Mark Inc. Ministries, you can call us at 877-MARK-INC. 
That's 877-627-5462. Or visit our website at www.markinc.org.